Hey, what's up, everybody? This week, I've got a great conversation with New York Times best-selling author Jen McLaughlin about writing romance. This is episode 78 of Untenured Tracks. Well, right now I'm actually, so traditionally most of my books that I've written are romance books. I have about 50 of them out. So recently I decided to shift to children's books. I promise they do not combine. <laughs> it's a weird combination. I know. But so my agent is currently shopping around the piece that I actually wrote in this program because as a challenge to myself, I decided to write a young adult book and then it was a middle grade book. Then it was a young adult book. And then it was a middle grade book. And I think it's going back to being a young adult book. <laughs> but that's a whole other story. So that is being shopped around right now. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to sell because publishing is a fickle um, yes, beast or lover, depending on what you want to call it. <laughs> and then uh, I am also currently writing, and I'm like this close to being done, a story about a girl who dies. And you know, in the very beginning that she's dead, it's not like like some trick ending right she's dead <laughs> and she has 48 hours to accept her offer into heaven or she'll be stuck as a ghost forever but before she goes she wants to make sure her mother is safe and that her mother will be okay so that's like her main thing for not immediately accepting the offer and then as with all writing everything hits the fan and everything's crazy and more <laughs> things happen besides that but i won't spoil it <laughs> kind of like i pitch it as like pre low liars meets vikings which doesn't really make sense but it does trust me <laughs> <laughs> um i look forward to, to hearing more about reading that um when when it's published and and sells a million copies um so uh, the first question i have for you that maybe some other folks listening to this have and i'm asking this both as a as a writer and as a parent, um, mm -hmm. as of the time of this recording, my oldest daughter is seven and I've been reading a lot of like middle grade fiction to her. Um, mm -hmm. how, what's the difference between YA and middle grade? How would you, because you said that you've bounced back and forth between the two. And so what, mm -hmm. I guess, <laughs> what is the distinction? How, how is it one, but not the other? And like, what do you change to make it? You know what I mean? That's kind of a gibberish yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. <laughs> um, seeing as I've lived in this world for the past few years, I can probably answer that pretty well. <laughs> um, so middle grade, first of all, is the age. So children like to read up. So like if you're selling it to 11 year old, you want your character to be maybe 13 years old, which then, you know, alienates the young adult readers that are older than that because they tend not to go down unless if it's a book okay. that just really sucks them in. And then additionally, the voice and the way that they think. So like an 11 year old will be more concerned about is my mom going to be okay in a different angle than a 13 year old wondering about, well, what if my mom dies? How will she die? What will happen to her? So it might be like a different approach to it. So I originally, cause I like to torture myself. I originally pictured this as a middle grade book. And then I talked to my agent and with all the themes of death and what happens after you die and you know like all the heavy themes that are in it she feels that since she's so worried about her mother 
that that would be a YA book as well. Cause an 11 year old would be like, but is there candy there? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, you know, it's just a little different. Like they understand, but yeah. they don't necessarily understand the depth of death. If that makes sense. No, so, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> And also what I was saying as well as the voice, like the way that they think, like a teenager oh, yeah. might be a little bit more, you know, attitude more know-it-all than an 11-year-old who might not, like who would probably seek for an adult to help if they were confused about something, if that makes sense. No, so that, it's all that, about that type of stuff. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really interesting because it, it's such a, it seems like such a minor distinction, um, I guess no <laughs> pun intended. Uh, but but obviously like we're talking about something that could completely change the structure of the book mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and the story and the sequence of events and, and how things can go that's really interesting that's like uh, a level of nuance i've never really considered before um mm-hmm. so uh, another thing that i, I want to ask and and part of my responsibility having these conversations with folks is trying to guess at like what people watching might want to know uh and so with with your background what was it like coming into a writing program when you were already a massively successful author <laughs> and then <laughs> and then being told this is how to write <laughs> it was interesting honestly i learned a lot of stuff cuz i didn't go like i didn't get the training i just kind of did it on my own if that makes sense so like hearing them explain how you do things and then realizing that I already did that and then realizing I instinctively knew how to do that was like really cool. So like it put the name to the things that I had been doing that I didn't necessarily knew how to name, if that makes sense. Oh no, Um, perfect sense. Yeah. So like, I didn't like, I knew what an unreliable narrator was obviously, but getting it explained just like that type of stuff really opened it up to me. And honestly, it taught me a lot about how to approach writing from with that knowledge, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. I just instinctively did it, but now like I look at it from that lens and through that lens and I'm specifically looking to make sure I have the image, the voice, the character, mm-hmm. the setting, uh, the story, even though I had done those things, I didn't know I was doing those things. So it really opened my eyes up and I mostly just didn't, really talk a lot about what I had already done. Like some people knew, but probably a good 80% of my classmates had no idea like of the books that I had out. Cause I'm not going to go in there and be like, I have 50 books. Like if somebody (laughs) asked me, I'm not going to lie about it. But like, I didn't necessarily say I'm a New York times bestselling author. I've written by James (laughs) Patterson. I've done this because that comes across like kind of like, well, look at me. So I never really talked about it. So I would be interested to know how many of my fellow classmates, like not my cohort, my cohort knew, but the yeah. other ones, like I was a weekender. So I'm mm-hmm. curious, like how many people didn't necessarily know my background, if that makes sense. No, it does. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't come into class with like, uh, did you get like a plaque or something from the New York Times? I'm just imagining. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I didn't wear like, my crown that day, you know? <laughs> a copy of the New York Times so. on your desk all the time. <laughs> yeah. oh, with uh, my what? name on the newspaper. <laughs> where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I don't talk about it as much as I should probably be, probably because I came into the program after it had happened. So like sometimes yeah. I'll talk about what I've done and then I add on, oh yeah. And I'm like, I've hit the New York times and people are like, wait, you should have started with that. And I'm like, that oh, right. But like, I just got so used to not talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, it, it's not surprising though, because uh, it's so difficult to talk about ourselves as writers, mm-hmm. right? We want the work to speak for itself. And then, uh, go away, leave us alone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Once we're done editing, you never look at it again. Never, yeah. Like I will not read my books when I'm done with them because I know if I do, 
I'm going to find things I want to fix and it's too late. So yes. I will not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe good advice uh, mm-hmm. for, for students who um, uh, are learning their own process. Yes. Right. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the best version of something is the finished version. <laughs> yes, it is. It is absolutely the best version mm-hmm. you're going to get, unless if you have a chance to go through and do it again, and then maybe you can read it. Again, yeah. But, oh, for yeah. sure. But yeah. Uh, but no, probably not. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. By the time you're done editing, you've gone through all those different cycles of editing. I write romance, as I said. And by the time I was done with editing, I was ready to kill one of them by throwing them in front of a bus or something because I was just so sick of reading the story. (laughs) So I don't know that you could pay me to reread one of my books, quite frankly. I'm sure they're fabulous. They're great. People like them. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's what people want in romance, right? It's just a violent death. (laughs) Yeah, and then they lived up with the bus. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if other romance authors have that problem, but I definitely did. So <laughs> that feels like that could be a subgenre of this podcast. Like romance writers <laughs> talking about the violent ways that they want to kill off their characters and, yeah. and how writing romance has made them cynical and angry. <laughs> <laughs> you probably could have a whole podcast on that. <laughs> um, but I mean, you make a really good point about the editing part of it because like one of the things that's been surprising for me coming through the program is sort of learning to think about myself as an editor and Mm -hmm. the role that time plays in that, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, after I finished my thesis, my, my mentor is Ross Clavin and Ross was like, don't touch this for six months and then come back Mm -hmm. to it. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to fix everything right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I did edits. And now that it's been what eight, nine months since that defense, just really in the last couple of days, I've been like, you know, I should probably fix this thing. Like, here's a better way to, mm-hmm. to make that joke work. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess I just didn't anticipate, like, walking, like, the importance of walking away from something and having multiple projects going at once and, and all of that. Like, you can't just dwell on the same, the same book or, or screenplay or whatever. Uh, forever. And <laughs> forever and expect it to fix itself. And that one day, yeah. you know... Mm-hmm, you're gonna mm-hmm. you're just gonna by happenstance find the right combination of words and it's gonna be perfect like you need time. suddenly everything will fall into place and <laughs> the, the birds yeah. will sing and the rain yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not like an actual jigsaw puzzle where you can stare and look for the right piece for like you need you need time and perspective and and then I and then agree. your brain is like yeah. you know what that's maybe i shouldn't throw my protagonist, mm-hmm. the love interest in front of a bus. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's not a great idea for a romance book. <laughs> the worst is when you can't get that distance though. Cause that's what I'm like. That's why you get to that frustration is like, if you're in a deadline and you don't have the months to sit on it, that's, I think that's what leads to that frustration. So that's an interesting point you make. Maybe if we had the time to, you know, take months between each round of edits with our editors, maybe yeah. we wouldn't be so annoyed with our characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's just one of like the weird parts i guess of the of the business side of it is learning Mm -hmm. to balance that like well learning how to not be a perfectionist um and and cope with the deadline but then also you know i guess we're near the in the marketing or not the marketing but the shopping phase and trying to find agents and editors you know Mm -hmm. and sort of in a hurry up and wait situation 
mm-hmm. that's when you have time to kind of tinker and and time comes that's into publishing it. in a nutshell hurry up and wait <laughs> i found that's You're a gonna lot of publishing anything yeah. a lot of life <laughs> is hurry up yeah. and wait which is not it's very frustrating for me i don't have the patience yeah. for being an adult <laughs> sometimes that's another Writer, also, that's because we're writers like another podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so I, I was curious. So one of the things that I've, I've talked to folks about in these interviews is Mm -hmm. if you remember from 501, the experience of sitting in on the different panels and hearing about everybody's process, Mm -hmm. I think that's such an enlightening, um, part of that course, because, uh, like we were just talking about, uh, my sense is that there are sometimes students coming into, into Wilkes into other writing programs who think that there's one way to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you sit in on those panels and you hear, you know, all the different faculties say very contradictory things about their own processes, processes. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> My brain is too dead to help you. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm trying to talk coherently about writing and my, my brain is slowly turning into Jello. Um, so I, hear you. I, I was wondering if, if you're capable of forming like coherent sentences still, <laughs> if we could think so. talk a little bit about what your, what your process is and, and maybe how that's, how that's changed for you. Um, yeah. over your career. Okay. Um, so generally when I write, what I do is I, I write very fast. Like when I can actually sit down and write, I'm a very prolific writer. Um, that being said, you know, grad school, full-time job teaching, that's kind of slowed down a little bit. But because of that, I think that my process has changed a lot. So I'll talk about what it was and what it is now for the contrast. Um, before I started working full-time and teaching, I would fast draft and then I would go back. So like the whole story would be there, but then I would go back and edit it and add in like the emotion behind it so like if I said he's sad like that would be my placeholder but then like when I would go back and edit I would actually like say like the pain in his chest like crippled him or whatever I wanted to say Mm -hmm. and that would be my second round of edits as I added all of that in Mm -hmm. and then I would read through it again and then I would do like the is are there plot holes is anything missing you know and then one more read through for typos that I may have made while making those changes, Yeah. <laughs> at which point I would then send it to my agent or editor, depending on where I was in the publishing process. Um, now, I actually, I have graduated a year and a half ago, I think. I don't even know. Sometime during COVID, which seems to not be ending ever. So sometime during COVID, I graduated and I still meet with two to three members of my cohort weekly to bi-weekly and we bring six pages we lunch together we talk about our pages so because i'm doing that with them i write slower well not slower but more intensely so i do still fast draft that first one and then i go through and i make sure it's good for them to then offer critique and help me make it stronger so it's kind of the same but also different because instead of doing the whole book and then going back i'm doing it like six pages at a time Mm. And then once I'm done, then I'll start the, you know, plot holes and yeah. all of that. <laughs> it's in, that's so cool because like one of the things that's so special about Wilkes is, is how close our cohorts are. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not really like a sense of competition between mm-hmm. folks no. or, or anything. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I've said it multiple times that uh, this program is like a unicorn in the world mm-hmm. of grad school and MFA programs. I agree. Writing yeah. Programs. 
I just spent the weekend at one of my cohort members, Blake house, like me and my kids, like we go and we like crash at her house for like a weekend and swim. And she buys my kids back to school stuff. Cause she's excited, you know, like <laughs> we're, it's amazing. Like the type of relationship you get from these cohorts. And I know everybody says it and everybody's like, really? Like, are you just saying that? But no, like you do really make those relationships and that's incredible. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot happens in the cafeteria. <laughs> what happens in the cafeteria stays in the cafeteria <laughs> <laughs> but it but it doesn't i mean it it, it spawns like lifelong mm-hmm. friendships and and absolutely. career opportunities and mm-hmm. uh you don't get that everywhere you know absolutely not um so uh, another thing i'm always interested in, in talking to folks about is like what got you into your into your genre and i i for you i think it's obviously two areas right like mm-hmm. obviously romance and then um from however you would define yourself as as a ya middle grade like as a genre specific word <laughs> confused children's author <laughs> <laughs> like so many children <laughs> like so, many, so many kids that age confused and trying to figure themselves out and yeah, you're like I'm i just, don't know yeah, but <laughs> i'm just matching it you know <laughs> um yeah, so I'll start with the romance, then I'll go into the children's. So romance, I started reading romance when I was 12 years old. Like, I was laying on the floor of my grandparents' house, and like most 12-year-olds, I was bored. So I looked over at the bookshelf, and she had all these romance books. I remember exactly the book it was. It was Jude Devereaux's Highland Velvet. Just putting it out there for anybody. <laughs> and that was my first romance book at 12 years old, which... I don't let my 12 year old read romance just for the record. But <laughs> that being said, from that moment on, like I was like, I'm going to grow up and be a writer. I'm going to write romance. I love romance books. And like throughout my whole, you know, teenagers to now, I, that's what I read. I read romance. Actually, that changed after I went to the program, but I'll come back to that. Um, that was the only books I read, like romance. I wanted my happily ever after, my guaranteed happy ending, because romance has to end happy. And I knew what I was getting. So that's what I wanted to read. Um, and then obviously I wrote it (laughs) and then children's ironically enough, um, my daughter, she's 12 now at the time that I entered the program, I want to say she was probably nine, maybe eight. So I would read to her every night and she couldn't find her book. So I decided, well, I'll just tell you a story because I've done that many, many times. So I just started telling her a story and making it up as I went, as I always did. And then as I was telling it, I realized like, I want to write this. This sounds like really cool. Like this sounds like the beginning of a book. So literally every night I would tell her like another chapter Uh off the top of my head. And then after I told it to her, I would write down, I would quick go downstairs and like scribble down what I had said. And then that helped form the book I wanted to write in the program. So she ultimately was the reason I did that. That's such (laughs) a sweet story. Yeah. And she's dying for it to come out. So she can read it. She's been waiting four years. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's what led me to that. And then I also really wanted, because my kids are getting older. They're in high school. One graduated, as you know, because you had her. And I wanted books that they could read and not like be embarrassed about. Not that romance is embarrassing, but like reading your mom writing that stuff is just kind of weird. Like, so yeah. I wanted to give them books that they could read and like not be like, well, what's going to happen in this book? Like what pages should I skip? Cause it's going to make me feel weird. <laughs> so I wanted like a book that they could read. So that also motivated. 
That's, yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing, but it's it's true, right? Because I mean, like writing genre, writing genre stuff as a parent, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that your kids are going to encounter this hopefully at some point, and then having oh, yeah. it in your mind and being like. I, I don't know about this. <laughs> yes. I know Caitlin has read one and afterwards she was like, that was quite the book. <laughs> so, you know, I try to like remember that they're going to read this at some point. And, you know, if it ever turns into a big Netflix series, then they can deal with it. You know, they'll watch it, but <laughs> I would like them to have options. <laughs> they can deal with it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> fast forward through the scene parts if you want. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't imagine like any child, even when you're an adult, you want, you don't want to hear about anything involving sex and your parents. Like you just don't. So like, <laughs> I'm very aware of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and like the stuff that I, I write is not that at all. Um, but I would uh-huh. still not let my kids anywhere, <laughs> anywhere <laughs> near it. Um, and my, my seven-year-old has asked me, um, mm-hmm. because my, my original plan for my thesis at the table read was to, I wrote a part for her, um, in my uh, script. Um, but she had, uh, she had stage fright she had zoom stage fright, um, kind of in the, in the weeks building up to it. Um, <laughs> but, and like, as we were getting close to that, I was like, how am I going to explain this <laughs> to her? I, I don't know. Um, not that it was anything yeah. like graphic. It was just kind of a, a, a dumb, gross comedy. Um, but still, that wasn't like age appropriate, you know? Right. Um, exactly. And so kind of, kind of figuring out how to juggle that <laughs> was, yeah. was a challenge. And I guess I dodged a bullet when she um, didn't didn't want to actually yep. she wanted no to change your mind like <laughs> half an hour before she was like no wait i really want to do this i was like yeah you missed rehearsal i gave your part away and she crushed it so maybe you should have <laughs> you should have come you had if you had you. come you could have been in it too <laughs> <laughs> i love it good life lesson yes um so another thing that i want to ask um you about is just kind of overall what what has the program at wilkes meant to you i know that's kind of a a heavy question for for late in the day (laughs) well that can actually lead into it. it what it means for me is i'm teaching now like that's why i went into the program obviously as we stated i had you know 50 books out or maybe it was 48 at the time but regardless i had books out so i wasn't there to necessarily learn how to write i was there to get the initials to teach so like that's what i wanted to do and that has allowed me to recognize that dream if i did not have this degree i would not be tired because i taught two workshops at, at work today i would not be doing what i'm doing right now i would not be able to teach workshops in this program or any of that so it has opened doors for me that were not open previously so it means the world to me quite frankly because that's what i went into the program to do and now i'm using that degree (laughs) not speaking very well because two workshops Uh today (laughs) but i'm doing that i'm pressing i'm passing my knowledge on to students you know that are honor students that might necessarily not necessarily know how to do creative writing yet they're embracing it and like today they were amazing they were amazing Uh and it blows me away and i love it (laughs) All while pursuing your EDD. Yes, while pursuing my EDD, which starts up again this weekend. So I'll be even more scatterbrained after that. (laughs) (laughs) 
it, that's what a doctor program is about. It's about <laughs> scrambling your losing mind your brain, trying <laughs> to trying to pick up the pieces and put something together uh, that resembles yeah. uh, that is brain like. <laughs> by mm-hmm. the end, crying into your textbook as you highlight everything, <laughs> but it's fun. Do it. <laughs> Uh, maybe maybe we'll edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it's fabulous. <laughs> it is though. Like it is very rewarding. Like obviously it's hard, but mm-hmm. to know that you went through that process and to walk away with those initials that we're talking about yeah. is a, is an amazing feeling. Like I put comma MFA after everything. And when I have my doctor in front of it, I'll probably still put it there because you earned both those terminal degrees and you're yeah. on that track as well. So I hope yeah. you use both as well. Yeah. Uh, and I, I can say that um, I've, I've told uh, Mike went in this at the last residency. Um, so we're recording this in September, 2021. Uh, we had a residency. Gosh, it was already three months ago. Mm-hmm. Three and a half months ago, um, I told I told Dr. Lennon that I I am more proud of the MFA uh, than I am of my PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's meant it's meant more to me. Uh, it means more to me at this point in my life. Um, coming yeah. through it, I have a, a different uh, sense of completion. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, having two terminal two terminal degrees uh, is. Uh, crazy <laughs> yeah and we're both gonna be in well hopefully i'm sure you're gonna get there hopefully i join you, you will you will you totally will i'm getting there you totally will. Um, my dissertation will be about creative writing because that's how oh. passionate i am about creative writing so so, mm-hmm. so tell me more so what do you what do you think what are you thinking about so the question the problem statement or whatever you want to call it that will be answered is what benefit if any science majors found through creative writing because there is a lack of soft skills and like the the stuff that creative writing teaches i feel like a lot of science majors don't get that because it's all science math science math Mm -hmm. so as i mentioned i teach two honor students so it's all different disciplines like it's not just one major and we have a lot of science majors and what really got me onto the topic was they have to take honors fyf but then i teach an upper level 300 level um optional course in the spring every year and every honor student that was in my FYF that signed up for that course were science majors. And they originally came into the class dreading it because it was writing and they're science majors. So like, I find that fascinating and I just want to explore it more and figure out what led them to, you know, enjoy it, what they felt they took out of it. I'm sure a lot of it's going to tie back, you know, mental health and communication, obviously, like we can guess, but I want to, you know, have the facts behind it to prove it <laughs> and then hopefully yeah. argue that it should be, you know, across disciplines, creative writing is important. Yeah. No, that's, that's really interesting because, uh, I for people watching this who don't know my background by this point, I have a PhD in sociology and have started working more like art projects into my classes. Um, and I've kind of like struggling with this idea of how do we, uh, or what are ways that like writing and just art in general can help students, like their conception of what justice is, mm-hmm. um, and, yeah. and maybe like broaden that idea of, of what justice is. So I'm very interested in like the ways mm-hmm. that you find how creative writing uh-huh. can help out with science students. Um, yeah. I, I, I think you're probably a hundred percent right that it's like mental health and self-care mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I bet there's going to be some like surprising stuff in there that uh, yeah. maybe broadens their their uh, approach to the scientific method, or um, exactly. or makes them more creative um, and more imaginative as researchers. 
Um, mm-hmm. by, yeah, like even if you just think about it, like if they come across this like amazing thing like curing cancer or whatever, like they have to know how to write about it to get people to like invest in it. And if a doctor is new and their patient dies, they have to know how to kindly like tell the family of that instead of just coming out and being like, oh, he's dead. Like, so like all that stuff comes into creative writing. Like it really does tie into that. So that's what I'm hoping to, and I'm excited. I never thought I'd be excited for a dissertation, but I, but I am excited uh, to find out what kind of questions or answers come from my question. Yeah, that is uh, the, the best piece of dissertation advice that you can get is to find something that you're excited about because eventually mm. uh, you will want to throw it in front of a bus. <laughs> <laughs> Much like my characters. <laughs> yes. Maybe they can read it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> you, but, it, but I mean, it's true. Like you have to, and I would say this is true for students in the writing program as well um, mm-hmm. as MA or MFA, like find stuff that you're passionate about that you can always like return to I have a project yes. that can act as like a North star for you. So mm-hmm. in those nights when you're like, why am I doing this? <laughs> right. <laughs> those, as yeah. writers, right. Like the self doubt that mm-hmm. we are, we are cursed with oh, yeah. like when that oh, comes yeah. in, you can yeah. look to that North star and be like, well, this is actually a really cool idea and I, mm-hmm. I really need to do this because somebody else will get it wrong. <laughs> you know, exactly. I need to do this. Yeah. And, and that's where you're like, okay, I'll, I'll get out of bed for another, yeah. like, another early. I guess I'll get or, out of bed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it. when you said that, it reminded me like, you know how you see like those images of starter packs of everything. Like, you know, like if you want to be a, you know, goth teenager or whatever, yep. the writer would just have like the big self doubt. <laughs> just <Yep>. dismay. <laughs> Yep. all those things introvert yep. but but has to be extrovert yes. <laughs> when necessary so yep. it'll be interesting to see the starter pack for a writer yep. the, po- <laughs> the poetry students listening to this right now or watching this right now are have their hands in the air and in praise and recognition of, <laughs> of exactly we're talking about um, but it's, but it's true. Like, and, and, mm-hmm. and that's something that I've, I've appreciated so much about the Wilkes program specifically, um, that mm-hmm. maybe you have some insight in this as well is, mm-hmm. uh, the business focus and, and kind of recognizing that, like, uh, it's a cruel industry, like whatever, whatever <laughs> genre you're focusing on. Um, and you have mm-hmm. to take care of yourself and, uh, you have to be, prepared i guess for some of the some of the reality of it um and so that's what this conversation is kind of tended towards is like (laughs) fighting hard and and the world (laughs) like nick miller says on new girl on that gift (laughs) writing is hard do you watch new girl sorry i don't i don't watch a lot of tv i've Uh uh, i my my career took me away from so it's it's weird, right? Like I I mm-hmm. focus on screenwriting, but I hadn't watched movies outside of like children's mm-hmm. movies for a very long time, and yeah. kind of fell into a habit of uh, only rewatching stuff that I had seen like a zillion mm-hmm. times before, and then learning mm-hmm. that that was like a coping, a coping mechanism. mechanism. I, had yeah. never, I talk about that in class too. <laughs> I, had, I had never put that together yeah. that like, yeah. I'm watching the mm-hmm. Death Star get blown up again because I know because it's going know. to get blown up again. Exactly. <laughs> it, is, not- it is. I, I teach that in class. One of my writing into the room prompts, what you do in this program as well, mm-hmm. is like, what TV show do you rewatch 
And then they all tell me, you know, like they all go around the room and I listen to it all and I say, yeah, that's a coping mechanism actually, because you know, what's going to happen. So it's soothing. So like mine's how I met your mother. Like I I put it on every night. It's my show. I I could quote every line from that series probably, but that's why I watch it because it's comforting and calming. (laughs) It it had never occurred to me before. And so Uh part of my, my like experience in the program was like recognizing those days where I'm like, let's just watch this thing again. Um, Mm -hmm. And and sort of pushing back against that and saying like, we should watch something new. I, I, I guess I'm referring to myself as we, <laughs> which yeah. is maybe a little weird. <laughs> um, I like it. <laughs> that's that's what we do around here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then we, then we decide that we're going to put on. <laughs> when we're ready. <laughs> yeah. Go through. Yeah, I like, yeah. I like to balance it. So like, you know, watch something new, but then go to the go-to, you know? So it's like a nice little, it's so comforting, but you're also putting yourself out there a little bit. So. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And also sort of recognizing that it, it doesn't always have to be very uh, highbrow art, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. <laughs> I, 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 That's exhausting. You gotta like, yeah. mix it up, you know? No, I, I've learned that I'm a horror writer and there's so much uh, bad <laughs> stuff that just gets like a straight VOD release uh-huh. that is super fun and mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. can see the idea and you can see that like they had a lot of fun on set making this. And I think that's such a valuable, <laughs> a valuable thing. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree 100%. Um, to just put on, uh, I, I remember an email to Ross that where I was mm-hmm. like, here's what I've watched. I lately. <laughs> and, and, and reading the email and being like, he's not going to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> he loves his Westerns. If Ross, if you're watching this, you love your Westerns and we all know it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, make sure that, you know, unforgiven by heart. <laughs> <laughs> I took screenwriting. So now I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, but yeah, there's this, there's so much genre stuff that is just so much fun and it's campy and mm-hmm. and weird, but I think that's good. Like not yeah. everything should be a boilerplate or like oh, super highbrow thing, mm-hmm. you know? Sometimes so you just I, need to relax and like lose yourself in a good story and you don't need, you know, underlying themes. Sometimes you just want a good story. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's perfectly. So as you're listening to this and you're like, <laughs> I'm going to watch how I met your mother again. <laughs> how I met your mother that's, is fabulous. That's okay. That, I use that in teaching so much. Let's stop. Oh, I'm going to go off a rampage. So I'll stop, but they no, do so please, much rampage. in no. that show. Do <laughs> you know me when I start talking about writing, but like they drop hints in season one as to how it's going to end in season eight or nine. And if you watch it, like as someone who has watched it probably 20 times, I will still see new hints as I go through where they literally tell you like stuff that happens in the end. So they knew. So even though it's a comedy and it's a half hour show and it's a lighthearted, you know, laugh show, Mm -hmm. they knew what they wanted to do and they followed that trajectory the whole time. (laughs) And it's pretty impressive through nine years of writing that they did that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really literally, yeah, in season one, they tell you the mother's name. And if you know to listen for it, you'll find it. Yeah. But then once you go back and rewatch it, you hear it, you go, wait, they told us her name in season one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that, pretty cool. So that's a really clever writer's room. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I feel mm-hmm. that way about Arrested Development. My wife and I have watched that a, a thousand oh. times. I haven't uh, watched that. I might have to put that on my list then. So Arrested Development's an interesting, and maybe mm-hmm. this is part that just gets edited out for the Wilkes part of this. I'll keep it in the podcast <laughs> because it's, it's mine. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it, yeah. it, it's interesting because they had they had basically like two and a half seasons, maybe three full seasons on Fox, and then went away for a mm-hmm. very long time and then came back to Netflix mm-hmm. and was mm-hmm. its kind of own thing. They did something really experimental with the fourth season okay that Netflix mm-hmm. has since taken down and like, re- Oh really? Yeah. The, so okay. the fourth season, they did episodes that were focused only on it. It, it feels like Pulp Fiction almost <laughs> like okay. every episode was focused on a character. <laughs> and so like, as you watch the season, they uh-huh. would have repeating moments as you see how like the characters lives mm-hmm. uh, uh, were sort of braided mm-hmm. together. Um, and right. I thought it, I thought it was really like that was a really bold and really interesting mm-hmm. uh, choice, but mm-hmm. they've since recut it um, to make it more okay. of like a traditional team feel like mm-hmm. a traditional season. Um, I feel like I just watched something that did that as well recently, and also because I'm tired, I can't think of it. I just watched yeah. another show that did that, and it was interesting as well. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a clever idea. Um, yeah, and, and like if you're thinking about it just mm-hmm. from like character from like a craft point of view like it it's mm-hmm. it never happens in tv um or it yeah. used to happen when sh- like 20 years ago when mm-hmm. when shows had you know three months during the su- during the summer to write and film everything and they needed something yeah. and so that's why you get like uh-huh. weird throwaway character pieces that were always beloved mm-hmm. Um, but now, like that, just doesn't exist anymore because everybody has a everything is prestige and everything has a full calendar year to film and you know ten million dollars per episode budget. <laughs> yes, everybody is trying to be game of, everybody wants to be you know in the next Game of Thrones. Um, yeah. Oh, Thirteen Reasons Why also does that. Um, they reshow things, but that's not what I was thinking of. But that that's another show that does that. But I know I watched something recently that did it. I'm going to remember it and I'll email it to you because it's going to drive me insane until I remember it. So if I remember it, I'll email you. <laughs> okay. That's fine with me. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know where we're going with this. I'm so tired right now. Um, so I think that's probably a good sign to wrap it up. I've, I've taken up a lot of your time. Um, uh-huh. we, we're both very busy people and have to get to our families. So uh, Jen, I want to say thank you so much for taking taking uh, precious time out of your day to talk to of us course. about the program and talk to us about your writing. Um, yeah, really, thank you for really having me. <laughs> for more Untenured Tracks, please go to untenured.space to access our archives or go to patreon.com slash untenured to help support us.